Hey, hey, what up? It's Podcast Rebellion. We are back at it again here in the Second Line studio, coming to you a couple days removed from the college football playoff title game in which Alabama absolutely trounced the Ohio State Buckeyes. I'm your host, Zach Berry. Joining me, it's a two-man show tonight. Mr. Nicholas Carr is here. Nick, welcome. What up? Good to be here. It, it is. We, we, we miss our, our, our dear co-host, Benjamin Woodhouse. He is a uh, I don't know if he's doing it right now because it is a little late, but uh, he is uh, off shredding all of the fresh pow pow. Um, do you know actually where he is? I don't remember if he told us. I don't know that he did either. I, you know, for all I know, he's at Woodall Mountain, but <laughs> <laughs> he's somewhere. He's Yeah, somewhere. Uh, is he a skier or a snowboarder? Oh, that guy, he's a skier. Are you kidding me? Okay. Okay. I, I don't actually know that. I I feel like he said he was going to Colorado, but you know, I don't know. Much like people uh, in the middle of an insurrection in the White House, perhaps we shouldn't be telling his exact location. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, great point. Uh, so yeah, so he's off on a uh, much needed vacation, but we are here. Um, all right, so let's let, let's get into it. Um, I think that it's not really out of turn to say this. And I wanted to ask you, um, I think that this is probably easily Nick Saban's best team that he's ever had. Um, The offense was just incredibly dynamic and was just unstoppable. Nobody even came close to slowing them down at all. Um, Mac Jones was tremendous all year. Devontae Smith won the Heisman. Well-deserved. He was just a cheat code. Um, And then, oh, by the way, Najee Harris was the running back. Um, We all joked about it after Ole Miss gave him a scare early in the year that uh, Pete Golding and the rest of uh, the five stars and four stars on that defense were just going to figure it out in time for the playoff. And uh, by God, they did. Uh, I don't know about you, Nick. I think you were the opposite. I think you called it. I was completely wrong. I thought Ohio State would really hang in there, give them a game. I thought it would be a little bit lower scoring than it was. Now, Trey Sermon getting hurt on the first play of the game, I, I think, wrecked my chances of Ohio State mm-hmm. having somewhat of a shot, even though Master Teague had a, had a nice game. But um, Ohio State had no answer. Um, I don't know what they were doing coverage-wise. They were – playing man most of the game and then they started going some like single high safety uh at one point they had uh tough borland trying to cover Devonte smith it was just an all-out disaster um but i mean is the i don't know if this is the best college football team ever but it's easily nick saban's best team right yeah and okay i have a question and you can help me out with it maybe i don't know enough football is there not a way Okay, we they talked a lot about Steve Sarkeesian was scheming Devontae Smith open. He was scheming to the mismatch. We you know we talked about with Tough Borland. Um, first of all, I heard it on a podcast earlier today. I can't remember who it was. Anytime a guy named Tough is guarding <laughs> one of the fastest players in the country, it's it's bad news. Tough wears a neck roll and is the you know a linebacker it, wherever he is playing. So. That's a mismatch yeah. wherever, but so all right. So bless, he's bless his heart. Yeah, yeah. He was trying. He did everything he possibly could on that one run. Um, which, by the way, is an aside. Devonte Smith, I, I watched it about fifty times, just was playing over and over on, on a, a clip on Twitter, and he 
runs so effortlessly like his like the bend of his like the way his legs just move it's like he's on a treadmill it doesn't even really line up as to how effortlessly he glides he's definitely a guy that he he um he runs fast like i i've uh, i'm of the opinion there's a difference between running fast and running hard like he yeah he doesn't look like he's trying very hard to run fast no it's it's such a, an easy glide. I'll be I'll be interested to see what he runs in the forty. But okay, so my question is, how, how can you as a defensive coordinator not let that happen? I, I mean, I, I guess well, can you just tell your players like, hey, don't let don't switch into whatever it is. We don't need tough Borland on the Devonte Smith. We don't need him finding soft spots in the coverage. Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe he, you don't have the players for it and he, they, they tried that and perhaps these guys get paid a lot more money than me, but like, that's bad. You know what I mean? I feel like I could go, you know, tell anyone that I know, Hey, this dude's going to cover this guy. This guy runs, you know, a four, eight, five, and he runs a four, three, nine. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, we know what's going to happen. So how are they able to scheme him open so easily against what I mean is probably a pretty good coordinator with Ohio State. Well, you know, I thought that a lot of what Sark did was a lot of what Lane Kiffin and Jeff Levy did this year with Elijah Moore because it was very evident early on. I mean, game one against Florida, I mean, he torched the Gators. And it was very obvious that he was the number one target for Matt Corral and he was the go-to guy and so people sort of keying on him. I mean, the only game that he really didn't do much was the Auburn game. And Auburn did a great job. They bracketed him. And, um, I mean, Auburn basically took away the third-level passing game for Ole Miss. And I was really shocked that Ohio State didn't kind of adopt that same thing in this game. I was under the impression, and this is why I took Ohio State to cover and I took the under, I was fully anticipating – uh, Kerry Coombs and, and the Buckeyes to basically do what everybody did to Ole Miss this year. Well, not everybody, but Arkansas did a great job of it. LSU did it, dropping seven or eight and just making Alabama earn it and drive all the way down the field, make them have longer extended drives, make them work their way down the field to where you can kind of shorten the game, limit their possessions, and try to go score for score. Um they obviously didn't do that, and I was just blown away because, look, Sean Wade is a hell of a cornerback. He's going to play in the NFL. He's really good, and he's your best guy, and he can't even man up Devontae Smith. I felt like after the first quarter, I was like, all right, Ohio State's going to adjust, right? No, they didn't. They stayed in man, mm-hmm. and, and it was just like the most hard-headed approach that, that, that I've seen, especially at that on that stage where it, it started, you know, the second quarter, it got away from them. Alabama scored 28 points. Devontae went off. I mean, Devontae Smith had 12 catches for 215 yards and three touchdowns. He didn't even play the second half because he broke his finger or whatever. Um, Which, by the way, sidebar here, why the hell was Devontae Smith out there? Why was Jalen Waddle out there? Jalen Waddle was limping the entire game. And I know that, like, Kirk Herbstreet was just – applauding him and I'm sure there were tons of people on Twitter and all over the internet you know oh man the toughness you know he's such a team player like yeah I'm not saying they're not team players and I'm not saying that that Jalen Waddle doesn't care about his teammates and doesn't care about getting out there and you know you know Landon Dickerson came out for you know what two plays at the end you know coming off the knee surgery you know that's fine 
you know, they're kneeling it. That's it. Nobody's doing anything. Mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle being out there was just straight up negligent. That was stupid. That was, it like, was, I, to, uh, I just couldn't believe that. Like, it, I couldn't believe Nick Saban was allowing that to happen. I mean, that guy has a legitimate future to play in the NFL, and he was essentially out there on a broken ankle. Like, just, and, I mean, Devontae he, Smith, I mean, he's going to be fine, but, you know, he fucking broke his finger or whatever. Like, it, 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 he needs Waddle didn't, didn't look healthy in the first place. It wasn't like, well, you know, we know that he hurt his ankle, but this guy's running, you know, effortlessly. No, he he looked like he was limping. When, when they brought him out there, I guess it was on that first drive, and they ran a crossing pattern. And I was like, I mean, if Alabama's got to go to this guy, I mean, they're in trouble. But that was stupid. I, I just and it won't hurt them because they'll you know go pay some more players, whatever. But it, it's just not like it's going to hurt them in recruiting. But that was dumb. And I, you know, I get that Jalen Waddle probably wants to play and say he suited up in a national title game. But I mean. You know, you could have let him suit up, like you, like you said, Landon Dickerson. Play, you know, let him go out there for the last couple of plays, and you know, tap him on the helmet and tell him, you know, we appreciate you coming here. But that was just stupid. And all it takes is him landing wrong one time, and all of a sudden he breaks it again. And next thing you know, that first round talent is, you know, a second round guy. He's cost himself, you know, ten plus million dollars over what? I, I just don't. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to say it's you know it's one thing when you're not injured. You know, you you know my stance on where you know these guys like opting out. That that's that's different when you're not injured. But when you're already injured, and you just like rushed back from a, I don't know, I didn't get it. But uh, so on Alabama's offense, I'm, I keep wondering. I guess I keep kind of going back to what their offense would have done against like a really good defense. But they played one in Georgia, and it just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't the this, number one SP plus defense. Yeah, this I don't know. This offense seemed. And I'm probably not going to make any sense when I say it. It just it it still seemed even better than LSU's last year. I don't know. I, I looked around at LSU's, and they, I know they had a good quarterback, a good running back, and so, and a, you know a slew of good wide receivers. But that felt more like I don't know. That felt more like they just had more really good players. LSU did, but it was it was almost entirely. I felt like Devontae Smith this year for Alabama. Like he. Yeah. If you take one player off, let's say you take Jamar Chase off of LSU last year and Devontae Smith off of Alabama this year, I feel like Smith has a much bigger impact. I don't know. I've just never seen an offense score nearly every single possession. I mean, what were we thinking? Not taking first half overs and yeah. Alabama minus the first half every single game. They brought they would have covered at least eleven out of the thirteen both in, in both of those. I would say for me, the difference between those two teams, between 2019 LSU and 2020 Alabama, if I had to pick, because look, man, Joe Burrow, up until this year, I think I saw a stat today that was like the last six highest rated quarterbacks of the season all set records. So like going back, what, 2014, 2015, like whoever it was set the record. And then the next year, that person set the record and then the next year that so it's just like quarterback play and offenses are just evolving at such a high rate if i had to pick the difference between why this alabama team is better than last year's lsu team i think it has to be the offensive line uh-huh, um, yeah. i mean they have three bona fide nfl guys deontay brown lana dickerson alex leatherwood um and i think that they're the they're the the difference maker because Clyde Edwards-Elair was really good. Najee Harris is really good. But just the consistent play of that O-line and 
protecting Mac Jones, giving him tons of time, and then at the same time, run blocking incredibly well for Najee Harris. I mean, there was literally nothing you could do to stop Alabama. No. If you take away the pass, they're just going to give it to 22. If you want to take away the run, they're going to throw it to Devontae Smith. They're going to throw it to you know, Jalen Waddle when he was healthy. They're going to throw it to John Menchie. They're going to throw it to Slade Bolden. I mean, they just have a slew of weapons over there. I mean, you hardly ever talk about um, – What's his name? Forstall. He was a really good tight end. Um, Billingsley was another one that really didn't get a ton of touches late in the year just because Devontae Smith was doing his thing. But um, yeah, I mean, that would probably be it for me. It was just their offensive line was just so good all year. All right. So, uh, yeah, I think so. And I think part of it, too, is is LSU's defense wasn't was worse than Alabama's defense this year. And so maybe Alabama, and I don't have the numbers, but maybe Alabama's winning games by bigger margins, at least maybe at halftime. And so it seemed like Alabama's offense was better just based on the fact that, you know, 52 to 24, they're just blowing teams out, whereas that LSU defense was giving up some more points. So the game seemed a little closer. So it was almost like, you know, LSU had to keep going, and so they had to boost their numbers just because the, the defense kept giving up points. But um, So my next point. So yeah, I just looked it up. Real quick, um, so last season's LSU defense was SP plus 20th, and this year's Alabama defense was ninth. Yeah, yeah. So they had and the I, number one offense and the ninth-ranked defense. I think that that was buoyed a lot towards the end of the year for LSU. I think it at one point, sort of late in the year, I think they were like 45th. And so I think that they had a couple good games there. Uh, maybe in the SEC title game. I mean, they played at Georgia, didn't they? It really helps when you play a team with with that sort of offense. I mean, if I recall, I think they jumped about 10 10 spots after playing Georgia. Um, So, I mean, that's probably where where, what happened is they just played well. And, I mean, when you win national title, naturally your your numbers are going to rise. Because Alabama's, I think – after playing Florida, I think it was 15th heading into the, the college football playoffs. So theirs went up six spots. So I don't think it's, it's crazy to say that LSU's, you know, probably went up similar or more uh, last year. So, uh, okay, my next question is, we've seen what offenses can do in their role. And, I mean, last year no one was stopping Jamar Chase and, you know, all those guys down at LSU that, you know, kind of went on the NFL or opted out or whatever. No one was stopping Devontae Smith this year. I mean, Alabama was incredible. What can be done to keep – and I guess we can kind of tie this in a little bit on Saban here too, but what can be done to keep it from getting worse for defenses? I mean, I just – like you just said, the stat of the quarterback rating six years in a row has been a new record. What's to stop that? I mean, how – like in you know in college basketball, you can institute a three seconds in the, you know, in the lane or you can't play – uh, you know, zone and baseball, you can lower the mound or you can raise the mound or whatever to help with. You can change the baseball. How, how can you make it a little bit more equitable for quarterbacks? I mean, I mean, excuse me, for defenses, you can't say, well, you can hit the quarterback harder now or something because that's a safety issue. So what, what do you do? I don't know if this is – this just kind of popped in my head just now. I don't know if you can because I think a lot of the issue is – there are so many defensive coaches and just so many head coaches that dictate what the defense does. Yeah. Their ego gets in the way. Yeah. Where, I mean, you see it a lot with Alabama and look, I mean, they have the best players. 
so it doesn't really affect him. But that's always been the thing with Nick Saban. His his defensive backs, they're going to play man coverage. If if you go to Alabama, you, you ain't playing zone. Mm-hmm. Like you're there to play man coverage up on the line of scrimmage, and you're going to challenge people's receivers. That's what they've always done. That's what Nick Saban coaches. That's what he preaches. That's what they're going to do. I think it's a lot of that where it's just coaches are like, look, this is how I've always done things. This is how we're going to do it. And look, if, if good on good doesn't work, then we're just not going to win that day. I, I don't know if that's the problem. Um, but, I mean, we're talking about the same like six or seven teams every year, and we can kind of transition here into talking about mm-hmm. recruiting. Um, the 2017 class for Alabama – that's that's all pretty much leaving um, up until th- up until this year was the best class ever signed by anyone. Um, just running through the list here. Um, Najee Harris, Alex Leatherwood, Dylan Moses, Jerry Judy, LeBron Ray, Tua Tagovailoa, Jedrick Will- uh, Wills, Xavier McKinney, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, the third. Uh, you've got a couple here that uh, Vandarius Cohen, Tyrell Shavers. Uh, Shavers is in the transfer portal. Vandarius Cohen, I'm sure he plays a lot. Um, I don't know how much he plays, but you don't hear him much. Um, but, I mean, that that top part of that recruiting class, and, I mean, I'm scrolling the page here, and it takes at least three or four scrolls before you get to a three-star. Well, the first three-star is Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, looking at this composite ranking on 247, they only had five, four three-stars and then one two-star, which was a long snapper. And I'm pretty sure that long snapper was an All-American. I, that long um, snapper, I heard a stat today, didn't have a, ba- a single bad snap in four years. He played all four years. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's just – I feel like this is the new normal where you have these – powerhouse programs that are just going to sign these classes year in and year out. And I mean, that was 2017. If we look at 2021 right now, the number one class overall, um, I mean, you've got one, two, three, four, five stars, and then you've got one, two, three. I mean, Oh, excuse me. Seven, five stars. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't see – you don't get a three-star until you get down to one, two, it's three. It's just one, isn't it? Three three-stars. Oh, eight five-stars because Kamar Wheaton committed, but he hasn't signed. He'll sign in February. So I, I, they're just going to reload. But, and, but there's only about 30 five-stars. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to – so let me look – a lot of places will do 32 because that's how many first-round picks in the NFL. I've never really seen more than 34. So there's 34 got, in this year's class. Okay. And they so have, they've got they have eight of them. 22% of the entire five stars. <laughs> and this is – I mean, you mentioned it. I don't know if you mentioned it before or when we, when we first started, but talking about what Saban's doing to the game, man, it's – I mean, it's, it's, I would say it's demoralizing, but that implies that I, I think we could beat Alabama every year. So it's not all that demoralizing so much as it's just not fun. 
So in, in years past, you know, we've had, you know, watch parties for the game. We didn't have that this year because of COVID. So, of course, that affected things. We didn't have that. Hey, you know, are you bringing wings or you're bringing a dip, whatever? It, it, it wasn't that type of hype for this national title game because of that. But also because I just I mean, I had no interest in it, it was Alabama again. And I get it. They weren't there last year. It was LSU, which, you know, is pretty much Alabama, but just of a different color. But it just felt so inevitable. Alabama was probably going to win. I mean, the the line was, what, nine at closing? I mean, that's a big number for a national title game. And it's just – Nine mean, and the total was 75. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like there's no – I don't know. There's no enjoyment for me of watching this Alabama team. And also, it's almost like they don't do anything special. They just throw it to Jalen – I mean, to Devontae Smith over the middle, and he's just faster than a dude going around the edge and beats him and scores a touchdown. Like, And then they do that five times, rinse and repeat. It's just – over and over and over. I don't know what the fix is. I, I, someone mentioned, you know, do you do you take away scholarships from, you know, all teams in Division One? Do you bump it from eighty five down to seventy, and 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 in hopes of taking, let's say, four guys off of each, you know, recruiting class, you're sending four four stars that Alabama signed now go to Ole Miss. And, you know, four four stars that Georgia didn't get can now go to, you know, South Carolina or wherever. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's it, if that's the issue. I mean, you're at that point you're taking away opportunities for college education. So I'm not sure that that's the answer. But it, I, there's something's got to be done. I mean, it's completely – look around the SEC West. I mean – excuse me, I muted myself. Look around the SEC West. It's mediocre team after mediocre team, after mediocre team, because we've all been, you know, just suffocated by Nick Saban. Yeah, and look, I mean, if you want to, you know, embark even deeper into Saban fatigue, um, I'm sure you've heard the stat. I, I don't know. I think we talked about it, but every single recruit that he has ever signed since, what, 2009? Um, yeah. Every single recruit he's signed has a national championship ring. Yeah, if they stayed three years, they have an Astrotato ring. Like, that's insane. Um, and look, it's not going to stop. As long as he is there, it's going to continue. And I, look, I, you know, I can't, I can't blame a recruit that wants to go there because they have a proven system and they win. I mean, the system is built to get these players to the next level. They put the most guys in the league than anybody. That's the goal. For these guys, you know, look, some of them might want to go get a degree. They might have a, you know, I mean, I, you know, I talk all the time about Josh McMillan, backup linebacker for Alabama. He played fullback a lot when they were in goal line sets to block for Najee Harris. He's from Memphis. He went to Whitehaven. And I remember um, my dad officiated one of his games. And my dad was kind of talking to him before the game and was just kind of like jokingly, you know, you know, telling him like, you know, hey, I'm a I'm an Ole Miss fan. You know, like, are you sure you don't want to go to sure you don't want to go to Ole Miss? And, um, you know, kind of laughed and was like, no, like I'm I'm set with Alabama. Like I want to go there. And I can't remember what he was studying. I'm trying to look it up, trying to look him up on the roster. Um, But he had an actual like degree that he was seeking that I guess Alabama had a good program for. So that kind of thing. It's like, okay, like I respect that. Like you have an actual plan, 
But for the most part, they're going there because Nick Saban is going to get you to the league and you're going to win games. As long as he's there, that's not going to slow down. I don't know if it'll slow down when he retires. I don't know who's going to replace him. That's going to that'll be what it hinges on. Whoever is going to replace him, are they going to keep recruiting at that same clip? I don't know. I anticipate they probably will. It might come down a tick because there's always going to be ebbs and flows and dominance in sports. It's it's like that across every sport. Um, but hey, if Alabama slips whenever he retires. I mean, you still got Ohio State that can step in. You still got Clemson that can step in. And you still got Georgia that can step in. I mean, people forget, and it's kind of an indictment on Kirby Smart. I mean, Georgia, on paper, recruits better than Alabama. And they can't get it done. And I think that's just a testament to how Nick Saban just dominates the sport. And, yeah, I mean, I think Saban fatigue is real. You saw the ratings for the national championship game were down. And I don't know if it's uh, some people were pointing to, well, you know, people are kind of over sports like they're over everything because the year's been so tough. I mean, maybe I think it's mostly because people are just tired of seeing Alabama dominate year in, year out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I will listen to the everything is down. I saw that NFL numbers were down a tick, but I mean, it is I guess they're, you know, they were helped by it not being Alabama Clemson four. But there's just this lack of, of of different names we hear. And I feel like the BCS, when you had just the title game, because it was two teams, it was very tough to be ranked one or two. I mean, let go through the list of the last, you know, the six or seven college football playoffs at this point. How many times were Alabama and Clemson one and two? I think just once. I, you know, Ohio State beat them in their very first year, beat Alabama. They were ranked one. But Clemson's been third a number of times. Alabama was third a couple times. It, it's rare that those teams are one and two. So if we had the BCS title game, you'd almost kind of be getting some variety. And I don't want to you know stand for that or anything. But but now having the four, it gives you that opportunity. Those extra two slots, I feel like are are always occupied by Alabama and Clemson. And I think the stat was Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State account for seventeen or. I think, excuse me, 15 of the 28 appearances in the college football playoff over the seven years. I mean, so, you know, pretty much every year, at least two of them are in there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just the same teams. And, you know, I think expanding it to eight, yeah, sure, you're probably going to get some blowouts. But at least you'd open up the talk to more teams that your five, six, seven, and eight every year is going to change so frequently. You know, one year you're going to have Wisconsin, when you're going to have Penn State, you're going to have Oregon, a Washington, USC, heck, and Ole Miss and Mississippi State would have been right there at that six, seven, eight slot. I mean, the the different number of teams, you know, yeah, you're doubling the the you know number of slots, but you're going to triple. I feel like the amount of teams that are going to be in it, you know, throughout the times. I mean, just you know, take a take a look at who was ranked in the top eight this year. I mean, you'd had Texas A and M in there. For sure. So I, I just think that, mm-hmm. you know, if they want to expand it, you may still end up with Alabama Clemson in the title game every year like normal. But, you know, having some more games in there might add some intrigue because at this point, Alabama's taking it all out. And if you give, you know, if Alabama's the two seed or the one seed, I, you know, they're playing the number eight team in the country. They'll get upset eventually. They're not going to, you know, be in the title game right. every year. Well, so add a little bit of intrigue. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think the answer is expanding. 
Um, because look, I, you know, I'm not saying Ole Miss could be the number eight team. Probably not for another couple of years. But look, I mean, you look at the only team that played with Alabama this year, and it was Ole Miss. They were went score for score with them. They were tied in the fourth quarter, I believe. And I, I actually rewatched some of that game earlier today. The only time Ole Miss was stopped was um, a bad snap. And then they had a sack on third down and they kicked yep. field goals those two times. That was the only time yeah. that they were stopped. One was self-inflicted and the other was um, a sack. So Bama essentially stopped them one time. You give Lane Kiffin a couple years to recruit, get his defense a little bit you know, more power five ready depth. That's the type of team that can knock off a Nick Saban in a one versus eight matchup. Now, it could be Ole Miss. It could be um, – I'm trying to think of another team that's out there that could, you know, I don't know if it was this year's Cincinnati or, you know, a UCF from a year ago that's really high scoring. Because, I mean, any team I think that, that has speed and runs tempo, because that was what frustrated Alabama in that game, they couldn't handle their speed. I mean, Ole Miss was just tempo the whole game, and they couldn't keep up. So I think that's the answer, Nick, is – you got to make it six or eight teams, and it just creates more parity, creates more chances for somebody to get knocked off, and that's what people want to see. I mean, people want to see the Statue of Liberty, Boise State beating Oklahoma. Like, people want to see – look, I mean, at this point, and, and we'll close after this and, and head to our break, the, the G5 schools that complain about not getting in, I kind of hear them, and look – all you got to do, expand the playoff and put them in. Mm-hmm. Okay, Cincinnati, you earned it. You went undefeated. We're going to throw you in there. You might get shelled, but you're at least there. I mean, at least give them a shot. Think about like the team, the teams we would have had over the last 20 years. You'd have had that Boise State team. And that Boise State-Oklahoma game would have been a, a quarterfinal game instead of, you know, mm-hmm. the 4-5 matchup type instead of being, uh, you know, just a, a fiesta ball. Imagine if that same game had happened in the 4-5 matchup. And I guess maybe someone would say, well, then they would lost by, to Alabama by 30 the next week, and so it wouldn't have mattered. But I just feel like, you know, talk about, you know, adding the legend, is, is it being in a, a you know, semifinal or quarterfinal game? But we'd have had that team. We'd have had the Utah team that went undefeated. Uh, mm-hmm. Heck, we might have had the the Hawaii team that ended up getting you know embarrassed down there in the Sugar Bowl, but we might have had that team in there. I mean, you know, w- we definitely would have had TCU, Baylor. I mean, like I said, Ole Miss probably may would have bounced in there one year. I mean, you know, haven't we? We already get blowouts in college football playoff, and I and I too, I think ESPN tends to you know they they control everything. I mean, they're they're. Mm-hmm. They control the narrative, I guess. I don't necessarily think they're picking who's going to going to be there, but they're they're talking the narrative on game day and at halftime and whatever. And it would just to have ten teams talked about instead of five would just go a long ways. I feel like, you know, and, and also I think that it would help. You know, when you lose your second game, the season's over with. And I think that it would, you know, it would be a nice addition. And plus, I mean, talk about the money that they're going to add whenever they finally do this my goodness yeah all right we're gonna take a break um <laughs> take a break here from the sponsors and from talking about alabama um 
I'm tired of it. I know you are too. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk a little basketball and we're going to talk a little way too early preseason polls for 2021. So hang tight. We'll be right back. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments Part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something the place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high-rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, Ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share a sip responsibly. 
And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. And we're back here, Podcast Rebellion, Zach Barry, Nicholas Carr. All right, Nick, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday evening. The Rebels took a tough one on the chin on the road in Gainesville against the Florida Gators. Now, they were down. their two best players. Um, but, man, oh, man, it was a just absolute slam your head into the wall loss. Uh, almost had a, uh, I think at one point, a nine-point lead late in that game. Uh, I don't really know what went wrong outside of Colin Castleton kind of taking over. Um, we won't spend too much time on this because it's it's just going to frustrate me even more. Um, but I, is there any way to fix this at this point, or is this just kind of who they are? It, it's who they are. I mean, I I'm looking going back and looking at the uh, the Ken Palm has a a chart that kind of runs you know what percentage he has based on his numbers. Uh, with, uh, let's see, six minutes and we'll call it 30 seconds left in the game. Uh, Ole Miss had an 85.9% chance to win the game. Uh, it, it actually dropped and then went back up to 73.5% chance with uh, about four and a half minutes to go. And it was still above 50% with under, under three minutes. And then it fell off a cliff. I mean, it looks like, you know, literally falling off of a mountain straight downward. The, the Florida finished on a 20 to two run. And I'm actually talking to a friend right, right now about what the problem is. I mean, I think the problem is just a lack of a kind of go-to guy. And if you look at the games we've lost, and I, I know Ole Miss lost by nine last night, but if you watch the game, it, it wasn't a nine point loss. I mean, Ole Miss was up nine with about six minutes to go. We were tied. Uh, I think as late as two and a half minutes left. I mean, nothing about, excuse me, a minute and a half, nothing about it was a nine point game, but, when you lose close games like Ole Miss did against Wichita, they did against Dayton, they did against, last night against Florida, there's a common theme in, in playing these close games, having leads and not being able to close them out. And it's not the defense. I mean, the defense played pretty well, you know, only giving up 72 points to a good Florida team. It's it's that not having a go-to guy like Brian Tyree at the end of the game is just a fatal flaw in this team. And I I think people kind of thought Schuler would step into that role. I mean, how many times has Ole Miss had a guy who was pretty good, had a guy kind of above him, and he stepped in? I mean, heck, you know, Tyree did it whenever, you know, uh, White left. So, I mean, it, it's been, you know, tons of guys that have kind of taken that next step in their junior or senior season. And I, I think we thought that Schuler was going to do that, and he hadn't been able to. I mean, I mean, it. It's just, you know, right now, late in the game, who are you going to to get a bucket? I mean, mm-hmm. pro- I'd probably say Romello White, but you can't run an offense through a goal, through a, through, a, through a postman. I mean, that's just not how that works. Late in the game, great teams don't go. No offense to the Lakers. I love Anthony Davis. But late in the game, who's getting the ball? It's LeBron. He's, he's a guard. You know what I mean? He can get in there off the dribble. You're not going to the big man. 
Giannis can do it. But, I mean, late in the game with the Lakers back in the day, they didn't really go to Shaq. You know, Shaq's a first 47-minute guy. Late in the game, it was Kobe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the the obvious answer is Romello because I, I believe he still leads the SEC in field goal percentage. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's Romello, but that's the problem is getting the ball to a big man, you know, tied with 25 seconds to go is next to impossible. Yeah, and they, they have to have some kind of threat at the guard position because that – ultimately would open up opportunities for Romello late in games because people have to respect a Devontae Shuler or a Luis Rodriguez or a Jarkel Joyner, Matthew Morrell. I mean, anybody. Um, and, and they don't have that. So people are essentially just, you know, doubling Romello or fronting him and then having backside or, or you know, weak side help, whatever you want to call it, um, coming in to double him as soon as he gets a touch. And so, again, and then on the flip side, or just you know flipping that around, that's a perfect setup to kick it out to a reliable score at the guard position. But they don't have that. Um, I, I mean, I think a lot of people expected Schuler to be that guy, but Schuler kind of thrived in that. You know, people always use the you know Batman Robin comparison. You know, he was Robin to Tyree's Batman, and then. Before that, he really thrived in that like six man, like third or fourth scoring option where he wasn't really looked at to do a ton. And now that everything's kind of falling on him outside of Romello to provide scoring, he's not been able to do it. I mean, he had a great game against Florida for the for the first, you know, <laughs> forty seven minutes and then, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, thirty seven minutes, and then he kind of disappeared. Um that's Is the it? issue right now. I, I don't have an answer. I mean, that's the easy answer is you got to find more scoring, but that's easier said than done. And I, I mean, I don't think, I don't think Ole Miss and, and please disagree or tell me I'm wrong. I don't think they're a bad team. They're just fatal flaw is just so glaring. Mm-hmm. And the, the team plays hard. I really yeah, think they, they, they look. They, and Castleton is a is a stud, but I mean they they rebound their asses off. Yeah, I mean the, the the team plays hard, and I think we got ran to. So we lost that close game to Dayton, and we got ran uh, a couple days later, maybe a week later, at Alabama. And I think everyone thought, man, what the hell? This Alabama team is not very good. And since then, that Alabama team has been really good. They're ten and three yeah. now. Turns they, out they're good. Yeah, they went to they went to let, let's just go through it. They went to Tennessee and won. Okay, they yeah yeah they beat them by eight. It wasn't all that close. They whipped Florida in Tuscaloosa, and their last two games are a pretty close game with Auburn uh, earlier or excuse me last weekend uh, where they kind of played back and forth. But you know rivalry game whatever, and then they dominated Kentucky on the road. I think it was Alabama's biggest win in program history over. Kentucky, I mean, which makes sense. Oh, wow. I mean, they, they beat them by 20. So it was 85-65. I mean, they probably don't have a ton of wins. Against, that's a good Alabama team. And, you know, we, strugg- we struggled, like I just said, against Wichita, scoring again. We beat Auburn. And then we got whipped again by LSU, who, in hindsight, maybe is a pretty good team. I mean, they've, they're have they 9-2 at this point. Their only losses are to St. Louis, who's got a good, you know, good ball club. And then, and then Florida – 
And then we did the same thing as we did in our other close losses, you know, against Florida. So there really isn't, you know, looking at it, there's three games that were played out very similarly. And then the two games that we were just out athleted, but the team plays so hard, man. I mean, last night I, I hated that they weren't able to get the win against Florida because of how well they played. And, you know, I mean, yeah, it was, you know, Kermit got the tech late was not great. And, and, you know, the whole last five minutes of the game was sort of just a, a choke, but, you know, they play good for 35 minutes and they just don't quite have the guys, you know, especially on the offensive end to go out and win those close games. I, I think that it's going to be like that a lot this year. They'll probably beat Georgia, you know, against MSU, it'd probably be a close game. I, I really don't know. They'll probably beat, you know, teams like Texas A&M, probably teams like South Carolina, teams like Vanderbilt. But when they play, you know, uh, someone like a, uh, an LSU, an Alabama, Missouri or Tennessee that are just more athletic than them, it's probably going to be ugly. But I think Ole Miss will be in every single game, you know, except for against those really good, really athletic teams, just based on how hard they play. I mean, they do play hard. I mean, the defense is still good. The defense is 15th in the country, according to Ken Palm. So it's, it's there, but like you said, it's a fatal flaw and I think it'll be fatal all year long. I don't, I don't see a fix for it. I mean, Looking through our three-point shooters, uh, we've got one guy shooting better than 33%, and and he's only at 38.5%. So, and, and it's Luis Rodriguez, who's not really a three-point shooter. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, unless we grow a three-point shooter overnight, I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's – yeah, it, it's tough, and like you said, it, it's almost harder to watch because the defense plays so well, and they do play hard. They rebound the basketball well. I don't remember the numbers from the game the other night. I know Castleton got his fair share, and he was a force. But, I mean, he's 6'11". The, not everybody has a 6'11 dude that can score and, and defend the rim like him. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they get a lot of second and third chance opportunities, but it's just a matter of – Somebody else outside of Romello White's got to step up. So, um, all right, let's transition as we close here. Talk a little Ole Miss football 2021. Uh, they had some way too early polls come out earlier this week. Uh, I think the the highest that I saw was 18th. ESPN, Mark Schleyball did a way too early poll, had him at 18. Uh, the Athletic had him at 22. Um I think Stadium had him at 24. I think that was right. Um, Brett McMurphy had him at 24. Um, I believe the Athletic, I think it was Stuart Mandel that had him at 22. But um, I did a piece on the site talking about expectations for next year. I think that there's a lot of hype and there's going to be a ton of momentum going into 2021. You get Matt Corral back, um, which is wild to say, in the same conference as Mac Jones. Um, I mean, he's toe to toe right there with him. Uh, he led the country in total offense. Um, and then the offense itself was third in, in the country in total yards per game. Um, you lose Elijah Moore, you lose Kenny Yaboa, but everybody else will be back. Um, and you got some big pieces coming back on the offensive line and, uh, Ben Brown. And, um, I get the two mixed up all the time. Um, not Royce Newman. He's gone. Nick Broker Broker's back. back yeah. Um, Jeremy James was a freshman All-American. He's back. Um, so basically, uh, and I, I believe on the left side, I think Caleb Warren has found a spot at left guard. Um, 
So who's it going to be at right tackle? Is it going to be somebody like Eli Acker? Um, are they going to find somebody in the portal? But the offense is going to be fine. Jeff Levy, they signed him to an extension. He's back. Um, obviously, the question is going to be defense. How are they going to improve that unit that was worst in the country for the better part of the season? Um, that was obviously the bugaboo all year. It killed him in the Alabama game. Killed him against LSU. Pretty much killed him in every game. So they got to they got to fix that. But I'm looking at this, Nick. Alabama is obviously going to be the gold standard, but they do have to replace a ton on offense. They're losing some on defense. They're not losing everybody, but they're going to have just more four and five stars step in. Outside of Alabama, LSU has a brand new um, mm-hmm. offensive and defensive coordinator. They got to break in. Auburn has a brand new staff. And they still have Bo Nix, who might be one of the worst bus, five-star busts of all time. And Texas A&M, Kellen Mond's gone. What are they going to look like? Who is going to be their quarterback? So there is a legitimate shot, and, and I'll throw it to you after this, and you can tell me if I'm wrong or you can agree. I think there's a legitimate shot for Ole Miss to have a chance to finish third in the West next year. Behind Alabama and... I mean, take your pick, either yeah, either A&M or LSU, whoever figures it out. Um, I don't think Auburn's going to be there. No, I don't, I don't either. I think it's one of those, I would in no way take a bet that Ole Miss finished second in the West. I don't think it happens. I would be shocked if you told me, hey, Ole Miss finished second in the West next year. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't believe you. But it, at the same time, I say that, I'm talking two sides out of two sides of my mouth, because – there's not a team in the West that I don't think we could beat next year, but Alabama. So right. I just don't I think, I don't think we will, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be a, so we're going to get Texas A&M at home. I think that that's a, I say toss up a, in, in terms of it's a four point spread either way. I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, without and we, question. And we, didn't, and we didn't get a chance to see what we would look like against them this year. Cause they right. pushed out and, yeah, out of that game. Exactly. And um, okay, so we're gonna get LSU at home. I mean, I don't know who their quarterback is. I'd be shocked if if we're not one or two point favorites. Honestly, unless you know something happens against them. Um, you know, running through it, I think we know what we're gonna get with Arkansas, and that's a team that we probably should beat, especially at home. Um, who else? Auburn. You know, we go over there, so we may be you know a little bit more underdogs in that game, but. That's it. I mean, I, and, and MSU, obviously. But but yeah. what of those West teams, you know, right now, I guess probably Auburn's the one you feel worst about because it's on the road. But, you know, right but now. At the same I mean, time, this is an Auburn team that lost, what, three starters off their defense to the portal. I mean, Big Cat Bryant's gone. Um, there was two, I think, two other defensive linemen that are gone. But, I mean, look – Everybody knows it. Ole Miss, Ole Miss should have beaten Auburn because they got screwed on the missed call and the kickoff. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's the game. And, and, the game is- and not just that, some poor coaching. And, I mean, so it's it's really, if that game is played over with, Ole Miss wins it double because, you know, the, the, there was a bad call there and the coaching was, was not great and kind of going conservative late with the offense. So it was doubly winnable, if that makes sense. I mean, it was – you know, extremely winnable. I just, man, our, our and I say that every year, and 
no, I do not think Ole Miss is going eleven and one next year. But I think if you look at it and you're you know putting a percentage next to it, I don't think there's any game I would say it's less than a thirty three percent chance Ole Miss could win. Would you agree yeah, with that? I mean, yeah, I would because look, I mean the four non cons, you're winning all four. That's and it. yes, I mean. And yes, I'm including Liberty, who is also getting preseason hype. But to be fair to Louisville, I mean, this should be a good game, but I think Ole Miss is is a favorite in that game. I would say right now. Yeah. And this might maybe I'm speaking out of turn here. I'd say Ole Miss is probably like a ten and a half point favorite in that game. Is that crazy? I mean, I don't know about what they're returning. Maybe because it's the first game of the year won't be that high, but I think it's probably at least six. And probably I don't see seven. I don't see Ole Miss having an issue in that game. I don't either. I don't either. I, mean, I saw what their defense was. Now, I, now, now that I say that, that, I think they were pretty low in S and P plus, so it may be higher. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think Ole Miss is a a touchdown favorite in all four. I mean, Liberty is you know they're a pretty decent team. They're probably going to be ranked, but I still think Ole Miss is at at home probably close to a a ten point favorite in that game. So Ole Miss had the number nine offense in the country this year. Louisville's defense was seventy six. Yeah, it was pretty bad. That that angle slowed down. Now they've now Ole Miss finished thirty ninth overall. Louisville was fortieth. But I, I I would take Ole Miss in that game. Way more explosive. Um, but yeah, I mean it really is like shocking. After one year, the type of I mean, listen to how we're talking. Like two years removed from Matt Luke and that disaster, and you've already got confidence that you can hang with an A&M and you can hang with an LSU. I mean, you get LSU at home, which is huge. I mean, who's, you know, is it Mac Johnson going to be the quarterback? Like, who's it going to be? How are they going to be on defense? They got a brand new coordinator. They got a brand new offense. Both, both coordinators are new. Now, it'll be later in the year, so they'll have a chance to figure things out, but. Yeah, I don't think it's crazy to say that Ole Miss has a legitimate shot at winning eight or nine games next year. Oh, I don't think so. You mentioned you were going through quarterbacks. Matt Corral's first team preseason All SEC, right? Has to be. There's nobody else. Who even is is in there? Um, I mean, if they really want to get cute and just piss people off, they'd put Bryce Young. Who's the backup at Bama? Okay, so so there, there's no one even at all that's if I mean it's, yeah if he's not preseason first team All SEC it's it's a fucking joke. Okay, better question: Who's preseason second team All SEC? <sighs> um, ooh, uh, it's probably I guess JT Daniels. JT Daniels, yeah, you're you're right, you're right, and and I some people will get cute and put him. Is preseason, you know, first team. I mean, but after, I mean, that is a stark drop. You're losing Frank. Frank's at Arkansas is gone. Uh, you're losing Kellen Mond at at Texas A&M. Obviously, losing Trask and Mac Jones. And LSU didn't really have a starting quarterback. I guess MSU did. Um, I don't know what you've got in Knoxville. He's not making a preseason team. No, oh no, 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 no chance. I don't know what you've got in Knoxville. Terry Wilson left Kentucky. Um, I, South Carolina had QB issues all year and bounced back and forth, so they don't have a definitive starter. I mean, 
this could be the far and away the worst SEC slate of quarterbacks I've ever seen. I mean, at least coming into the year. There's really only, yeah. you know, gun to your head, there's really only about three guys I would be confident finish the season as starter. Probably Bryce I mean, Young, I think, JT Daniels, and Corral. I think you're probably going first team Corral, second team Daniels, third team Bryce Young, just off of hype, and he plays for Bama. Yeah. And then after that, I would have no idea what you yeah. mean. I mean, if somebody really wants to piss people off, they'd put Bo Nix as third team. But Oh, I forget about Bo Nix. Okay, that says a lot about the league that he is. He's, he's just average. He is. It doesn't saying he he's like, but he's going to return as what the second or third you know leading guy in terms of passes thrown, and you know behind Corral and heck he might be second, and and he yeah he is average. He's not beating teams with his arm. So yeah, I think I mean okay. Back, so back on the schedule, I it sets up well. I mean you know a lot of really really winnable home games, um, and then your road games are going to be you know. I guess you go to Knoxville, you go to Starkville, which is a tough place to win, but it's a place that Ole Miss has had some success. Um, mm-hmm. Your and your other road games, I think your best bet. You, it's it's kind of best case scenario. You, you go to Tuscaloosa, okay. So what? You know what I mean? That's it was going to be a loss. You know, if it was in Oxford or Tuscaloosa, so it's you know that's kind of your best case scenario for a home away split. I feel like next year. And look, I mean, not saying that Ole Miss will win, but you also got to factor in Steve Sarkeesian's gone. They're bringing in Bill O'Brien. What's that offense going to look like? How is he going to continue the impressive lineage of guys coming in and replacing a coordinator that did everything, anything and everything, and keeping it going? I mean, you had um, Jim McElwain that was there for so long, then you had Lane Kiffin, then you had, you know, Brian Dabble, and then you had Mike Loxley, and then you had, you know, Sark, and then, um, you know, now what's Bill O'Brien going to do? Brand new quarterback. I mean, he hardly played. It's not like he got a ton of reps. Um, so a lot of expectations there to defend the national title and all that. But, you know, when you have all that help around you, it's much easier than, uh, you know, trying to do something like Matt Corral did where he knew pretty much he had to score every time they had the ball or they weren't winning. So, um, I mean, look, as we're talking through it right now, next year is going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of parity, a lot of question marks, a lot of, you know, spaces that are left blank because, yeah, a lot of questions. I had thought about that. Now that you brought it up, I mean, the the quarterback play next year is going to, potentially leave a lot to be desired in the SEC. Yeah. I mean, it, it's as as bad as I recall. And I didn't mention Missouri. I, I think their quarterback was a younger guy. Um, I, I'm blanking on his name, exactly who it was. So I do think that they're going to return. But we don't we don't play Missouri, so it's not a team that I'm all that concerned about. Um, let's see. I'm looking at yeah, Connor Bazelak. So he, he yeah. had a good year. Bazelak had a good year. But, Yeah. And there's a lot of winnable games out there, man. I'm, I'll be interested to see the setup of the schedule in terms of – I know our first three games, the dates are already locked in. It's uh, mm-hmm. Louisville, and then it's – I think it's an FCS game, and then it's Liberty. Austin so, P. Yeah, that's right. So you've got those – And 
and we talked about it a couple shows ago, the Liberty game is going to be later in the year. Oh, is that okay? So then you've got whoever it is. Two. I, I was order. I was looking at it wrong. It was just the four that were locked in up top. But yeah, okay. I think it's Louisville, Austin P, then Tulane. Okay, and then you you wait a little while, and you've got Liberty. So I'll be interested to see. I mean, I I anticipate it's probably going to be one of those trips to to Alabama, either to Tuscaloosa or to Auburn, because I feel like that that's who we open up with a lot. But okay, say it's a, the trip to Tuscaloosa. You go up there and you get your teeth kicked in. You're still sitting at three and one. You're probably still ranked. And then at that point, you look at the schedule and there's a whole bunch of games out there at 30 and 40 and 50 and 60%, you know, win percentages. Mm -hmm. A whole bunch of games you can win. So, you know, getting that Alabama game, and I hate to sound defeatist, I guess, by saying it's a loss, but, you know, getting that game out of the way, you get some experience, tough game on the road, and then you come back and it's, you know, it's Vanderbilt, it's Tennessee. It's Arkansas. It's a bunch of games you can win. So, and and I'm hopeful that, you know, the, I guess, not mistakes from a coaching perspective, but kind of the conservatism, I'm hope is is thrown out the window late in the game because, I, I mean, Lane is an absolute genius. You know, early in the game or when he's behind, that guy has you know no fear. But I think we saw it a little bit this year. The Play calling does seem to get a little tighter when Ole Miss is leading, so I hope that that's you know corrected next year, and you know, go out and score some points, man. Yeah, never kick, never punt. Um, I yeah, think we never, might figure it out. Never run the ball three times in a row when you're up seven against Auburn. Yeah, or or LSU. Um, yeah, I think we might have found the third team guy. I think it might be Connor Basilak will be the third team guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's probably black. Yeah, we forgot about him. Um, yeah, and hey, look, last thing here, it, it always helps to play Bama early, so you know Lane's going to have a game plan ready, and you know he's going to be fired up to go back to Tuscaloosa. And um, again, Alabama's got to replace a ton, and they got to figure out who the quarterback is and how good he is. So, and um, and adding on real quick before we close, adding on to Alabama, I don't think their defensive coordinator is very good. And I think their players are good. So it's almost like towards the end of the year, the players have figured it out in lieu of the coordinator. I feel like they're almost a little confused on defense early in the year. And now again, not to say that we can go to Tuscaloosa and beat them, but to go over there and play a game, give them a game, and and they haven't really gotten it right yet defensively. You know, they're bringing in new guys consistently every year. And I think the weak link in that entire program is the D.C., so so go score some points on them, but I, hey, you you start you big win against Louisville, you win your other two non-con, and if they open up with Bama, I mean you're going to be three and zero, and if you're ranked in the preseason, maybe you sneak into the top fifteen. I mean that's a game day game. I don't, yeah, I was going to say I don't think it's crazy at all to go ahead and, and think of it as a game day game, and if if not, I mean I don't know if Tennessee will be decent at all next year. If Tennessee were, you know, Lane's first trip back to Knoxville, I think would be. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think Ole Miss has that storyline now, and it'll be nice to um, to maybe sneak in there every once in a while as game day, you know, because because they think, have that story. Yeah, I think those are two games that are circled on his calendar, and then I think that Liberty game is going to be circled. I don't think it's anything against Hugh, but I think deep down Lane knows how big of a deal it's going to be in Oxford, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think that he's going to really try to put it on Liberty. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, all right. Last thing, and we'll have we have all all season to talk about it. But what running back is first team All SEC over Jaron Ely? Probably Tank Bigsby. You think? What about um, maybe Spiller I mean, out at A and M? Yeah, I, I think the world of Tank Bigsby. He is a dog. I think he's going to be an All American before it's all said and done. I mean, oh. All right, so Bigsby's real quick. One is Kevin, is Kevin Harris back? Uh, yeah. I mean, he was he was good too. I, yeah, I think so. He was a freshman, wasn't he? I don't know. So Bigsby had uh, five touchdowns, yards per carry, six point oh four, and I'm looking at oh, that's Mississippi State. I'm looking at uh, Jerry and Ely had. Oh my gosh, what a great pod! It froze. Jerry and Ely had okay. He only had. 5.07 yards of carry, uh, but he had nine touchdowns. So, I, yeah, you're, it's, it's probably Bigsby at that point. Yeah, I'd say him. Um, and SEC Sports doesn't have the classification what year they are listed to their name. But, I mean, Najee Harris is gone. Kevin Harris was second in the conference in rushing. Spiller was third. Roundtree was fourth. Roundtree has to be gone. I feel like he's been at Mizzou for like nine years. Yeah, that guy got there. He was there when they were in the Big 12. Yeah, um, Bigsby was fifth. Chris Rodriguez was sixth from Kentucky. Kevin Harris had 15 touchdowns? Okay. Their quarterback, oh, dude, good. Their quarterbacks only had eight touchdowns, though. So <laughs> that, that's why. That's why. Yeah, um, to put it in perspective, I mean, I, Matt Corral had how many touchdowns? 20. Uh, he had, uh, tw- was it 29? Yeah, so he had 29. Yeah. Rushing touchdowns. Yeah. So that 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 that's going to skew things a little bit when your quarterbacks refuse to throw TDs. Matt Corral, sneaky top top twelve rusher in the SEC, ran for five oh six. Wow. Um, I guess I guess an outside shot. At, well, I wouldn't say outside shot. We we forgot about Zamir White at Georgia. He had eleven touchdowns. Um, yeah, I'd probably put money on Bigsby, or so Spiller is back, right? Yeah, he is back. That yards per carry, I'm looking up the yards per carry for Samir White. I feel like he was just a work. He was 5.4. Yeah, he was a workhorse. He ran the ball a ton. I'd probably say Spiller, Bigsby, Samir White. Jerry Neely's got to be at least second or third team, right? Yeah, if you're doing two a, t- two a team, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, two a team, yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, hey, it's running back is is a different story from quarterback. A lot of good running backs in the SEC, um, which is crazy to say because the game has shifted to such a big, you know, aerial assault with how people attack. But yeah, um, me, me a couple on that. I I didn't realize how many good backs there were because there yeah, are, there's some good backs. There's a lack of good quarterbacks. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it um, for uh, this edition of Podcaster Bill. We got a we got a lot of meat on that bone tonight i didn't think we'd go this long but um i mean i've, I I, I've outright predicted 11 and one so <laughs> <laughs> that's right um but yeah thank you all for listening thank you to the sponsors for making it possible uh and and yeah i will say another shout out to the listeners uh for 2020 um nick uh, we had a great year great numbers we had a lot of good engagement with the listeners 
Um, so thank you to y'all for, for hanging in. It's, it was a weird and crazy and just, uh, there's tough. no, it was a tough year we'll to get it, through. It was a long year. We'll say it one more time. Unprecedented. <laughs> ready, ready for the precedented times, but, yeah. uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back. Um, I don't know if we'll do something later this week. We may, we may not, we might wait till next week. We're going to start getting ramped up more basketball talk and then, Right around the corner, baseball will be here before we know it. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Shout out to Ben, wherever he's at. Uh, Hopefully he's uh, not getting injured skiing. But uh, we'll talk to you all on the next one. Appreciate it. We out.